Uh-huh. Big big dicks. Popping. Big dicks. Locking. Big big dicks. Popping. You 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 huge farts. You 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 huge farts. 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 Big 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 dicks big dicks big big dicks big 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 dicks big big Oh snap another hot one from DJ McCrae DJ McCrae That's at DJ McCrae on Instagram thanks for that dope original mix a little preview of what you're about to hear with myself and my pal Earl Skakel on this podcast Welcome to the show everybody How was your week Ah, uh, Jeremiah, it wasn't, it wasn't the best week. Well, guess what? Good. Because that week is done. It's behind you. And this week's going to be better than the last. Huh? What do you say? Let's make it a good week together. Start off on a fresh, good foot. I'm in a good mood right now, guys. I want to give a special thank you to my boy, Gage Tiarina. He's based out of Texas, and he is helping me put together this podcast lately. Editing that audio, editing the video, making sure it gets out to you guys on time. He's helped me produce this show. I'm super grateful because I was uh, I was in the studio with my boy, Patty Reagan, this week, earlier in the week, up in Ventura, which is like an hour, hour and a half north of Los Angeles. We're in the studio for 30 hours straight working on the new Reagan and Watkins album that's about to drop. And we got to a place where we got our final mixes. Our our engineer buddy, Johnny, he was like, uh, I'll finish these mixes if, if you can stick it out with me. And he thought that we were going to be done at 5 a.m. We were done at about 5.30 p.m. the following night. So we... Went in at 10 a.m. and then we're on a Tuesday, and then on Wednesday we left around 5:30 p.m. So it was uh, it was pretty crazy. It was pretty intense, but I'm so freaking excited to get this album out there. We uh, we just got like one step left where we got to master the tracks, and then we can start releasing it. Uh, we're gonna do a limited vinyl release. We're gonna do a hard copy CD album release, and then it'll, it'll of course go on Spotify and iTunes and all those digital platforms for your listening pleasures. So I'm, I'm excited for you to hear that new Reagan and Watkins. We've been pouring our soul and our love and our energy into it, and I think it's going to be something pretty special. I want to thank the sponsors of the show, Bronx Born Pizza, at Bronx Born Pizza on social media. They're based out of Bend, Oregon. Or you can, if you're around Los Angeles, go to Gray Block Pizza. It's owned by the same pimp, Thomas Schiffer. Yeah. Help me out with this equipment on the show. Make it possible for your viewing pleasures on YouTube. Those videos are released every Wednesday. And I hope you guys are liking those Instagram clips. And my buddy Gage, he's also helped me uh, uh, cut up and edit some of those as well. And he's helped me uh, put those out there. So, heck yeah, check those out. Follow at Gage Tiarina. That's T-I-J-E-R-I-N-A on Twitter. Yeah. And of course, Speedweed, the OG Kush sponsor of this podcast, yo. Ooh, E40. What? Oh, yeah. Tell her when they go. Tell her when they go. Go on, go on, go on. Speedweed. Do you like that blueberry? Do you remember, guys, that ludicrous song? In a blueberry, yum, yum, and it's so good. 
They got blueberry yum yum. But guess what, guys? They've got the blueberry yum yum. They can deliver it to you. It's marijuana delivery service. Hit up my friend Gino. He'll hook it up. And guys, I'm I'm looking for some new sponsors. If you uh if you want to sponsor the show, or if you, you got a product you think I'd enjoy, you want to do some kind of product exchange for some little plugs on the show, we can work it out. We can work it out. Email your boy Jeremiah Watkins at gmail.com. Also, your kindness challenge letters and your music submissions for the show. I like to use original music from artists on the rise, aspiring artists, wherever you're at, whatever level. I like to support fellow artists. So send me those music submissions to your boy Jeremiah Watkins at gmail.com. Also, jeremiahwonders.com. There's a PayPal donation button. My buddy Akeem in Germany just donated some money. I want to thank you, man. Very much appreciated. And if not, keep listening, man. I appreciate it. Tell a friend about this show. Are you enjoying it? Let me know. Also, you can email me or hit me up on Twitter or Instagram. Let me know some guests that you would like to hear on this podcast. I'm always, uh, I want to stay in touch with you guys and make sure uh, I'm doing my best to get the people that you want to hear me interact with and make me wonder things about on this show. Yeah. Let's get into the kindness challenge, all right? What do you say, guys? This is an interesting one. This guy gave me some Easter eggs, some clues on how he sounds, where he's from. I don't know what he looks like, though, but I don't know what he sounds like. So I'm going to wonder what he might sound like if I read his letter and what I think it might be his voice. And while I do that, you're going to hear some original music. Another original song from Cliff Studios titled Lurch. Hi, Jeremiah. I wanted to share a kindness challenge story with you. It kind of went wrong. I saw a struggling mum trying to get her pram down the stairs of the London Underground with kids either side of her walking down the stairs and another kid in the prom. By the way, the kid looked way too old to be in the prom in the first place. I thought to myself, this is the perfect time for me to do a kindness challenge. I offered my help to the mother, but I got an aggressive no. I don't need anyone's help. I double-checked with her, asking if she was sure. She replied with, you brown cunt. What did I just say? I just showed it off and got on my tube. But then I noticed her running to the same tube I was on and the best thing happened. She got so close to the doors, and they shut on her. <laughs> I couldn't help myself but smile and wave to her. Sorry it wasn't a very kind act, but I tried. I'm British Indian, that's the reason for the brown comment, but she was brownish color as well, which confused me a bit. Next time, I'll try to be more kind. Love the podcast and your positivity. If you guys ever come to London and need a tour guide, hit up your boy. Much love, Keyshaw. Keyshore, thank you so much for writing in the show. Bro, I'm not going to quite count that as you completing the kindness challenge. What would have been perfect is after all that, after she said that mean thing to you, and you offered her your help, you're trying to be nice, after all that, she turned you down, did it in an improper way. If you would have held the door open, if you would have extended the help there after all that whenever right before the doors closed on her, without smiling and being like, ha ha ha, it's calm before you right there, see you later, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Then I feel like that would have been the kindest challenge. So, uh, but thank you for writing the show. I want to read this as an example of, I appreciate that your heart is in the right place and going into it and you're trying, but let's go that extra step. Let's welcome that cruel, cruel woman onto the train 
and maybe that will improve her day a little bit more next time and, and she'll pass on some positivity to somebody else. Huh? Maybe I'm being too hippy-dippy. I don't know, guys, but that's just how I feel. It's really, it's easy to, you know, be nice to somebody when they're being nice back. The real, real challenge is if somebody is being horrible to you and you still are extending kindness to them to try to improve their mood and improve their life situation. You know what I mean? That's the real challenge. Anyway, I just want to plug a couple tour dates real quick, guys. Come see Kill Tony in Michigan and Toronto at the end of September. And I'm going to start plugging this right now. Tuesday, October 23rd, Stand Up on the Spot. We're doing a live podcast recording in the belly room of the Comedy Store. That's Tuesday, October 23rd. Come see Stand Up on the Spot live podcast recording in the belly room of the Comedy Store. It's going to be fantastic. People have been asking for another episode of Stand Up on the Spot to be released in this feed. So let's uh, let's get some butts in those seats and have a good time. What do you say, huh? I love Earl. We've been friends for a long time. Don't take anything that he says too seriously on this podcast. He's doing a lot of shtick. Uh, I just want you to know he's joking whenever, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll get it why I give a disclaimer on this. I don't want people to, to, to get the wrong impression of Earl. He's a good guy and he, he loves joking around and stuff. And we had a great time reminiscent of uh, old times together at the comedy store and roast battle and uh, many more things. And you can see him on uh, Showtime's I'm Dying Up Here in a new show called The Jellies uh, with Tyler, the creator. He's got a lot of good stuff cooking. Without further ado, I would like to introduce you to Earl Skakel, if you don't know him. And if you do know him, get ready for another fun, wild ride, as you always know he delivers. Earl Skakel on Jeremiah Wonders. Oh, yeah. Here with Earl Skakel on the podcast. The real deal. The real deal. Inappropriate Earl's own. Earl Skagel. Yes, I'm in the flesh. Good to have you here, buddy. Dude, you're one of the few people I actually like uh, in the world of comedy, in this world of pit bulls and vipers. Proof that nice guys can be successful in this business. Oh, wow. Earl and I have been uh, late night warriors at the store together <laughs> for years. Just trying to crack each other up... Uh, Long before we were uh, paid regulars there. I mean, you, the lineups are so stacked at the comedy store. Like from 10 to 12, 15, it's all TV comics. So even though like you and I are super funny guys and there's Joe Dosh and, and many others, it's like there's no room for us to go on other than the end of the night. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's like being number nine in a batting order. It's like, well... Jose Canseco's number four. You're not going to go on before him. That's for you old baseball freaks. <laughs> we got a lot of old baseball freaks who tune into the show. Uh, but, you know, it, it's like, even if we were to get a bigger TV credit. Though. I mean, it's like, yeah, the talent is so so huge. It's like, yeah, who are you going to go before, really? It doesn't really, it wouldn't really make sense. I mean, it, it's just... There's, what, 15 spots? I don't know. How many spots? Uh, Somewhere around there. 15 yeah. spots. You know, the first probably 12 are Sebastian, D'Elia, Whitney Cummins. Rogan, Marin, uh, Segura, Kreischer, all Diaz, those guys. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's no 
either you go on toward the end or you don't go on. Yeah. And there's plenty of people who'll take the the twelve fifteen or spots we get. So. Oh heck yeah! Just shut up, be happy. Your name's on the wall, and get some more TV credits if you don't like your spots, you idiots. You hear that, other comedians? Yeah. So instead of messaging Adam, why aren't you going up more? Well, how about getting credits, and then you go up more, or hit the laugh factory. Just be good looking. That's the requirement to get on that lineup. <laughs> Sorry, I'm keeping it real. This isn't bitter. This is honesty. Just letting it flow, dude. Letting it flow. Well, you're like the uh, opposite of me. You're like Mr. Nice Guy, and and you don't you don't cause waves, which is why you're successful. I I approach from the uh, other side of the fence. Of uh, it's a fine line of. Uh, sticking up for yourself and and being honest, but you know without being bitter. Would you consider yourself like uh, kind of like a wrestling heel of comedy? Well, I think uh, a lot of people have come up to me recently within the last, I'd say, six months and say, "Dude, you're you sounding a little bitter," and I'm really not. Like, I got a big dick, I got money, I got a condo that's paid off. I got a car, a Dodge Hellcat 2018 that's paid up. What's well, a lease? I'll be honest with you. On that one. Uh, but uh, life is good. And I can testify to everything that Earl has said. Unfortunately, I've seen all of those things. Yeah, I mean, you got a big hammer, show it. You don't, keep it in your pants. But uh, I, I mean, I have a, an insane love of pro wrestling. I feel, so. I feel like there's a wood carving of that somewhere. Oh, if you got a, is. if you got a big. A big hammer, just like it's in the back of every open mic in L.A. Trust me on that one. Oh, I can't do the glasses thing. These, <laughs> these headphones. I can't do my signature bit. He does a bit where it's like the old, like little rascals thing. <laughs> Any joke that bombs, if you do that, it automatically makes a joke better. It's a save, it's and a I save. do it at least a few times in my set. It's a good. It's a good saver. I've, yeah, I uh, we we used to sit in the back of the store all the time and watch Don Barris go on for like over an hour, probably at the end of the night, like, and just he he's so good about like allowing people to play with him and kind of be a part of his set that some of the stuff that Earl would do and say from the back of the room and and Teeb would be back there, Jason Tebow and. Hinchcliffe for a long time, yeah, we'd all be back there. That was kind of a cool era whenever we were all kind of available enough to <laughs> that we we didn't have anything better to do, so we were just kind of trying to crack each other up from the back of the room. I mean, if you look at the talent that's in that back row, it, and none of us, uh, I don't think we're trying to make it or, or whatever you want to call it. I mean, you know, we weren't back there. To, oh my God, I hope there's a TV exec. There's no TV exec in the OR at one thirty. It's literally a pit of darkness, and like you're lucky if there's like some tourists there from Australia. Yeah, it's like literally uh, a garage comedy. You know, we're we're just practicing our time in and you know improv at the, really the highest level. Like you know, because you have to be listening to what Don's saying and then I have to listen to what you're saying and not overstep your lines or not overstep with Don let yeah. him do his thing because it is his ultimately it's his stage time oh yeah so you know you have to be respectful it's like okay he's letting us play like you say and 
and uh, you know it's a tough uh, it's a tough room. You know, it's very much like roast battle where you either kill or you bomb. Yeah, it's sink or swim for or, sure. Like there's no like you know in between. <laughs> it's like it's either kills and everyone in the back laughs, or it eats it. And and that was that's what was tough like for 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 me like as a comic and anybody else who was back there you're trying to get in the store and you're also just trying to make your friends laugh but like if you bombed during those late night times with Don in the back like all the comics kind of looked at you like oh man that sucked and and that like made you better because oh, yeah. you're like you have to improve immediately because if you if you threw out a a bomber then you'd have to think of something immediately to try to cleanse the palate of everybody in the room. So at the end of the night, people were like, hey, man, that was funny. Well, yeah, I mean, back then, and, and almost even today, you still want the uh, respect of your peers. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. Adam used to hang out in the back as well before he was talent coordinator. But it was so funny. Like, he used to hang out so late before he got bogged down, <laughs> you know, with a bunch of oh. comics and stuff like that. Now he would take the Concord out of that parking lot. <laughs> I mean, you talk about the toughest job to be the booker, of the number one club in the country. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I, I, yeah. I mean, I miss those days to a degree. I mean, obviously we're past now and we're, you know, on TV and all that stuff, which is awesome. But like, you kind of miss the, uh, I don't know, the, the halcyon days of when we weren't, trying to climb over and not that we're trying to do that now but yeah like, you miss the genuineness uh and the eagerness of hey i just want to be funny in front of jeremiah and hinchcliffe yeah whereas now you we're kind of like oh i gotta have a good set tonight you never know who's in the room right like i got and i'm working on these jokes specifically or i'm trying to develop this and back then it's just like we had already done our spots for the night or we just weren't getting up at all at the comedy yeah. store and we were just happy to be there and excited to be there you know Oh yeah, I mean it's the number one club in the country for a couple of years now, and like, you know, you never know who's in the room. Even back then, you know, you know Don's association with Kimmel, you know, you know cousin Sal was has been in that room many a times when we were throwing out zingers, and uh, you know, so there was always something to gain by being funny in that room, you know. So it's I, I miss those days, but I don't like. Well, I mean, it's like a graduation thing. Like after after you, we did it for years. I mean, it took you. How long did it take you to get past at the store? Like in total? Uh, I mean, I went up there in two thousand. I saw Brody Stevens, who I love now, but back then I didn't know him, so I didn't appreciate his shtick. Mm -hmm. I saw him make an open mic or cry. I think the second time I done potluck. Brody made an open yeah. mic or cry. He was hosting, and the OR is a tough room. And back then, it's was a million times tougher like oh absolutely you know we all love roast battle and people think that's the bee's knees of like thick skin and you know aggressive comedy roast battle has nothing on the comedy store in the early 2000s in terms of you know when danish and o'neill would host the open mic i mean they made people cry but uh brody this open micer from la jolla had bombed pretty badly and Brody was like, where are you from? And the guy's like, La Jolla. And Brody's like, well, that drive just got a lot longer. <laughs> and the kid literally ran out crying. I've never seen him since. And uh, it was very much uh, an aggressive atmosphere. And I was like, I don't think I'm ready for this. Yeah, it's a lot. So I, I left for about seven, eight years. I just did open mics and, and other clubs. And then I started coming up around 2009. 
So 13 years total to get uh, right around when roast battles started taking off. If so, it was a great time of getting past, roast battles starting to climb. Uh, and then, you know, every year it's been better. Yeah. Earl and I actually uh, uh, showcased together um, yeah. whenever Earl got passed. Uh, and he got passed with uh, Candace Thompson. And it was one of those things where whenever you got passed and it was like me, Kyle Ray, uh, maybe Jessica Sandro, Michelle, I think. Singleton, Sandro. Um it was one of those things where after it happened of like as bad as I wanted it, right. I was nothing but happy for you guys because I knew how long specifically you had been after that. You know what I mean? So it was one of those things where I was like, I'll get another time. This is my time right now. Cause I was like, Earl's been freaking, he's at the top of the list as far as dues paying had been going there. But I mean, it almost hurt me. Uh, but I mean, all of us did well that night, so it, it was just really boiled down to. I mean, I don't know why Adam picked who he picked that particular night, but like any one of us could have been passed. Uh, but it goes back to almost the lineups today. It's like you can't pass five people. Oh no! Uh, yeah. And so, uh, but I know in my case, everyone was going up to Adam, going, "You got to pass her all. You got, he's been up here the longest. He's." been you know effed over by tommy uh you know and it almost worked against me because adam came up to me and i don't think he would mind me saying this uh he's like dude i'm gonna showcase you but if you don't do well i can't pass you like i know everyone loves you up here and like uh but i wouldn't have wanted to get passed that way no it would have it would have felt wrong you had a great set that night and it, you deserved to get passed but like if you would have had like a kind of so-so set and then you got passed after all this time and then people were like, well, he gave it to, he is giving it to it because, you know, he's just one of the guys here. Then it's like, oh, well, that sucks. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what like Tommy would do sometimes. He'd kind of pass these, you know, people like one guy was giving him studio time. <laughs> no, it's true though. Like, yeah. He, uh, I won't say the guy's name because he was, he was a pretty nice guy, but another guy was giving him weed. Uh, and, you know, there was a lot more, uh, I don't want to say deserving people, but there was a lot of people who could help Adam out more than I could. I can't give him anything, you know, in terms of like, hey, I can get you in with Netflix or comedy. I've got nothing to offer you. Uh, so I lucked out. And then, you know, you got passed shortly thereafter. And yeah. You know, I believe if you're funny and you fit the store, you'll get passed eventually. But even today, it's like you could never have another showcase ever, and there's not enough spots. Like, you know, it's 15 spots a night. Yeah, it's just kind of how it goes. Yeah, so, like, there's probably 100 comics who are good enough to be passed. I mean, look at, uh, like, Brad Williams just got passed. He's been a touring headliner for years, has multiple Showtime specials, and he had to start, like, coming and hanging out. And this is after he's already established himself at other clubs and everything like that. And he just got passed after all of that because he still, you know, had to show face and show interest in the club and be like, yo, I, I want to be here. And he was going up on potluck, like, in the... It's crazy. a national touring headliner and, and, and he, you know, put his ego to the side and just made it happen, which I thought was pretty freaking cool. Well, I mean, the store just has this uh, magic quality the other clubs don't. Uh, the Improv's a great club. I love the Improv. You know, I, I can't say I love the well, laugh. Well, well, some some of the things that we did late night at the store 
literally could not happen at any other club in the country. Oh my god, you'd get uh, you'd get banned. letters banned, all this stuff, legal stuff. There's like the this like safe haven kind of like this bubble or the store where, where it's kind of like an agreement. Like if you're coming here, you're cool. Like like you might see some weird stuff tonight, but like everybody's gonna have a good time and be cool with it. Like you, you used to do this thing where. <laughs> <laughs> where you used to do this Buffalo Bill uh, thing a lot uh, where you would tuck your dick between your legs and uh, be shirtless and you'd come out from behind the curtains and they would play the Buffalo Bill music from Silence of the Lambs. And uh, that was just like one of the bits that happened late night. At the, And it was just like this, like, I remember people be like running in the back hall. I'd be like, Earl's doing Buffalo Bill. Earl's doing Buffalo Bill. And people would like flood into the, the OR to see it. I brought it back the other night. Did uh, you? Oh. Because Ryan O'Neill was on before me and he was killing. And uh, I almost don't like inviting people to see me at the store because I don't want to bomb in front of people I know. Yeah. Like, and uh, a couple of guys, and I'm not name dropping, it's just, but it's, it's the situation that a couple guys from Slash's band were there because I'm friends with them. And O'Neill was killing, and I'm starting to panic on how do I follow this? He's just, you know, and I just, like, <laughs> well, there's one way to follow it. And, uh, you know, a couple minutes in, I was doing pretty well. I'm like, Josh, Josh Martin was in the room, and I said what the wrestler Rick Rude would say when he would take off his robe, hit the music. And he knew instantly what to do. And Josh Martin saved me. He went there, and he couldn't find the song, so I was, like, having to do bits from behind the curtain while I'm taking off my clothes. <laughs> I'm like... Hey, doctor said wrecked him, killed him, just to, anything, just kill time. And yeah. then Josh just like gives me the cue. And uh, it might have been the, I can't say it was a set, but like it might have been the best audience reaction I've ever gotten in the OR. Just, I, I felt like a rock star. And uh, <laughs> and I felt so bad for Davey Wester because he had to go on after <laughs> oh, me. no. I made $50 in tips because there was a bachelorette party in there and Started, I bet they were freaking out. Oh, they were drunk, but they sobered up real fast when the hammer hit the stage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, she's a great big fat person. Uh, and they're like, take your clothes off. Leave it off. Leave it off. I'm like, honey, 50 bucks. Sure enough, 50 bucks came flying at me. And, you know, I had put my dick pic. I pulled out my dick pic on my phone and I put it on the stool right in front. And there's like a group of gay guys in the front row, and they were loving it. Uh, I mean, it's not something you could do. If the uh, talent coordinator from Conan was there, he's like, I can't use this, but this is pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> so it was almost like a worthless set from the standpoint of there's no way I could do that any other club or any TV show. But, uh, you know, in the OR, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, survival of the fittest in that room. Because it's like, it's like late night with Don or like in upstairs in roast battles. Sometimes in the OR, it's they either love you or they hate you. Oh, it's kill or be killed in there. And if, you, if you're if you bombing, you might as well lean into the bomb because you at least need to get some kind of reaction. So there's still some kind of energy in the room just so it's for the next comic. They can do something with it. No energy. We were talking. I was talking to Brody about this. He, he uh, Brody's like, I'd rather have negative energy in a room and try to turn it around than have no energy at all. Yeah, and that room is a vacuum when there's no energy. It just there's no life. There's you can hear uh, glasses clanking in the kitchen. Uh, you can hear conversations in the parking lot because uh, the hallway echoes. So if someone's talking in the parking lot. You can you pick up the 
conversation. But when you're doing well, you don't hear anything but the laughs. Yeah. So it's a very. Uh, I still say it's the toughest room I've ever played in. Yeah. You would uh, the the Buffalo Bill thing. What you do occasionally is a comic would be on stage, <laughs> and you would you would go up there for a comic that maybe wasn't doing that well, and you would time it perfectly where when the comic hit their punchline, like the, like now's where you laugh kind of thing. And it wasn't very good jokes though. Earl would be behind the curtain and time it perfectly. And he would pop out Buffalo Bill style, shirtless, completely naked, dick tucked. And the room would explode with laughter. So the comic, he starts like feeling himself and getting more confidence as it goes, completely unaware that there's a dude that's mostly naked right behind him, helping him kill the room. I mean, I started to get that idea. There was a place called the Knitting Factory, and it was on Sunday nights. It's one of the hotter rooms. I this is when I wouldn't go to the store. I would go other places, and uh, there was this comic on there. And it, I'll give him a plug. Probably the worst comic I've ever worked with. <laughs> oh uh, boy, what a plug! Peter Prenz, uh, his guitar comic who played like he had 12 broken fingers and uh had the personality of Kurt Cobain after the suicide uh he was bombing one night horribly and it was real awkward you had like Swartzen in the room and Anthony Clark and Ian Bag. I mean it was tons of talent and I'm like I gotta do something so these guys don't leave uh so I went behind the stage and there was a hole in the curtain it was just big enough for me to put my dick through and I had, he never changed his set. So I knew when the punchlines were coming. So like you said, you know, I would listen. And then when I would hear the punchline coming, I would put my boner through the curtain. And he was killing. Like, you would have thought he was like Dane Cook at the Garden or Sebastian at the Greek Theater. So the next night, we're at Ireland's 32, which was a pretty cool open mic in Burbank. And he's doing the same set, bombing. I mean, just eating a shit burger that Arby's would serve up. And he comes up to me outside afterwards. He's like, dude, I don't know what happened. Last night I killed with the same set. I'm like, yeah, I don't know, dude. Tough crowd. Too bad there wasn't a curtain with a hole in it, you dummy. But back then at open mics and stuff, you you know, it was just very much the same. Like you would do it. I, I would whip out my dick just to get the room going. Oh, dude. How, okay. First off, how did you get a boner behind a curtain? How did you, how did you summon the strength? Are you just one of those skilled guys that. I mean, back then I was. Now I'm 49. I got to go to 7 Eleven, get the rhino blaster. I, I took one the other night called Black Mamba. <laughs> I literally turned into a black mamba. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, the CEO of a uh, of a boner pills company is actually calling in right now. Um, That's uh, crazy. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> hello. Oh yeah, this is uh, Ron Popeil. I used to sell uh, ovens and uh, frying pans on uh, television. You used to sell uh, ovens and frying pans on television. Yeah, everyone's seen the Ron Popeil toaster. Okay, so you used to sell frying pans. So you work. You're used to working with hard things that are that are firm and uh, no slip grip, right? Yeah. Tell me about it. 
I think I think your phone's cutting in a little bit in and out. I think you're gonna have to, to talk into your receiver a little bit uh, more directly. I can't get any there closer it is. to this thing. Jesus Christ! You... Hello, hello, Ron. I'm sorry. I'm driving through a Malibu right now. I've got a new mansion that I've uh, bought from my uh, sale of the Black Mamba. Oh, oh, oh! So you're, you have a new line of boner pills coming out called the Black Mamba? Yeah, it's really just crushed up Viagra mixed with a niacin and boron. Uh, is that technically legal to do to put that out there? Well, that's why I can't give you my exact address. And uh, by the way, you notice my voice sounds just like your guest Earl's. Yeah, well, he's a big fan of your product. Is that actually a side effect from using uh, the boner pills? Do you start kind of sounding uh, like similar to Earl? Yeah, you you take a black mamba and you instantly become funny <laughs> with a big hammer, about nine inches, but ten and a half in the right mouth. <laughs> Wait, I don't understand the the math on that. So you're saying that you have the power to get, gain an extra inch and a half if the right mouth is doing its job down there. And uh, 12 if it's Jimmy Rogers' hands. <laughs> Jimmy Rogers? This gay guy hangs out at the store. <laughs> oh. This guy is so- I, I, I wasn't aware. I, I thought you were talking. I was looking for somebody that was like... like uh, like a, a big celebrity, but you, you said it like confidently, like everybody knows uh, that name. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy Rogers is so gay that he makes uh, Tom Hanks at the end of Philadelphia look straight. Well, he's a good dude. Uh, I'm glad that uh, you're friends with him. Uh, uh, acquaintances. Uh, <laughs> acquaintance, perfect. Well, uh, do you have any advice for uh, anybody that might be struggling with, uh, you know, some erectile dysfunction, or would you recommend them to any other products? Uh, yeah, well, there's a few things they can do, depending on your age. If you're in your 20s and you're having uh, erectile dysfunction, uh, you know, don't jack off. you got to save it. Save your your chi, they call it. Okay. So that way, when you get a live one, you can just give her a nice blast of your baby batter. Uh, now, as you, <laughs> as you get older, it's a little hard to... Uh, your testosterone drops uh, after about 30 it drops significantly so uh, you have to supplement what you have uh, you know, there's plenty of uh, natural herbs there's a boron there's a taurine which is uh, made from uh, bull semen and, uh, that's in red bull isn't it yeah that's crazy no wonder you feel so much energy yeah, it gives you wings gives you something else It's it's so funny. I didn't I, I didn't catch your name. I don't think uh, CEO of this uh, of the Black Mamba company. So Ron Popeil. That's, that's right, Ron Propeel. Popeil. Uh, Popeil. Sorry. P O P E I L. I'm the uh, really tan guy you see on late night TV. Typically, my commercials air after that flex seal guy, that, that fat idiot. Oh, you know we're all fighting for better time slots. You know. Yeah. Welcome to the comedy store. I think Adam books late night infomercials. <laughs> Well, Ron, uh, you sound very similar to Earl. Uh, you even have the down. Uh, that's the side effect of uh, that's the Black side of, Mamba. That's the side effect of Black Mamba. You get Earl Skakel syndrome. Can I plug uh, some new products that are coming in? I, I would love to, to hear your new products that are coming out soon. As they say in the uh, infomercial world, these are coming soon. Get it coming soon. Oh, I get it, Ron. Yep. Uh, sound effects I've and all. got Black Snake, which... Uh, 
Well, what's the difference between black snake and black mamba? Well, uh, black mamba is a little more uh, aggressive in our ingredients. Okay. We have yohimbi. Yohimbi. We have maca root. We have uh, tongkat ali. Um, and uh, black snake is a little... Uh, we take out the yohimbi because yohimbi is made from a tree bark, which literally uh, you can't... You know, uh, black mamba is made for guys in their 40s and up. Uh, and a lot of people are like, well, why not just try Cialis or Viagra? You can try those as well, but I don't make any money off those. That yeah. goes to the Pfizer Corporation. But uh, through trial and error, uh, I've found, in my mind, the perfect mixture of ingredients. And Black Mamba is available for uh, twelve ninety nine at all 7-Elevens and Sunset Oil Gas Station on Sunset and San Vicente. And then uh, you mentioned Black Snake. Now, what's what's that? It's a more uh, natural alternative. It won't give you quite the blaster that Black Mamba will. Now you're saying that you'll get more, as you um, using your words here, you'll get more baby bout, more baby batter out baby of it, batter. baby batter out of it if uh, you use these products. Well, there's also a, a, it's in product development right now. Uh, of course, our product tester had to take a few days off. <laughs> to, to a reload, so to speak. Right, it's right. Semen Max. Okay. And that's if you have no, you know, some men uh, have trouble producing uh, semen. Like, uh, you know, if you, if you come, uh, a little drip comes If you out. come, only a little bit of dribble, which, you know, we all know that ladies don't like that. Right. They like just a big volcano like geyser <laughs> just blasting into their face like a glazed donut. Uh, I recommend, uh, you know, they, you know, some people take Red Bull and vodka. Uh, I have a um, unproven uh, combo that I think most of my clients like. It's uh, a shot of Red Bull with Black Mamba and Semen Max. And uh, let's just say uh, your girl looks like a glazed donut at Winchell's after you unleash your load. Well, thank you so much for calling in, and uh, I, you know, I'll definitely give you a call back, Ron, if I have any questions because uh, you covered a lot of bases here today. And also try a chainsaw balls. That's uh, makes your balls more engorged with blood, which is where the semen is produced. So you know, because I thought there's a market out there of guys with big dicks but with small balls. Uh huh. It's what they call in the. Uh, my business, uh, all uh, meat and no potatoes. Right, you got to have your potatoes to match the meat. Yeah, you can't have like little like uh, gumballs and then have just some massive hammer. It's not visually pleasing to the girl. Right. So that's a chainsaw balls. So will give you a nice, uh, nice full brim in the ball sack. All right, um, I'm going to let you go, Ron. Thanks so much for calling in. Yeah, I'm pulling in the sunset oil right now. <laughs> Wow, uh, Earl, I can't believe I don't. You, uh, you must have just gotten back, Earl. I was just on the phone with uh, with uh, uh, this guy Ron. He's the CEO of a boner company. Um, oh yeah, Ron Popeil. Yeah. Oh, so you know? Okay. Yeah, I was just imitating. Oh, I mean, yeah, I was just. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He, well, Ron Popeil is that guy uh, who used to sell late night. Uh, everyone's seen him. I, does that name ring a bell to you? No. Uh, he's like this really tan oh. older guy. This year, okay, I think I know you're talking about now. Incredibly tan. He would sell like uh, pancake makers, sandwich makers, anything, uh, you know, the roast beef. You would shove the roast beef in one of his ovens. It looked like uh, 
Oprah's feet and sandals. Oh my god. <laughs> so, but the guy's a billionaire, literally a billionaire. You know, he's like uh he's like the Tony Robbins of uh food invention yeah. machines. So, uh believe me, I wish I was Ron Popeil. Well, you know what surprised me about Ron Popeil is um he was so knowledgeable about all of his products, which was very interesting to me. It it sounded like you know, I was almost like this guy had like spoken from experience, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, he uh, really was a like the Einstein or Thomas Edison of like ovens and pancake makers. And like he had this one, the grilled, the automatic grilled cheese maker where you would literally, it just looked like a waffle board and you would put uh, bread and cheese in it and close the machine. And within 30 seconds, you had the perfect grilled cheese. Now I don't know if it really worked like that in real life, uh, but uh, but the ad sure looked good. Oh, the ad, you know, you know, you know the business. I'm sure they had to, you know, shoot that shot, you know, a hundred times, and then the poor suckers who lived in Idaho are like, this doesn't work like that. <laughs> Have you lived in California your entire life? Bel Air, California. Not every comic is a struggling baboon living in Valley Village in a studio with five other losers. <laughs> you do this thing called Attention LA Comics that I appreciate on Twitter and social media where you just really like, I guess it's just unfiltered Earl whenever you do it about advice about certain things or certain stigmas or things that are going on i uh, i think a lot of people appreciate that well i can always tell uh and i'm actually in all seriousness trying to help comics like it, it might not seem like that right but, uh even with my recent uh situation about certain uh shows uh i was keeping it real to be like you got to stand up for yourself you, you know you, i am a voice of the voiceless i speak for the unspoken, the victims of this business. And, uh, you know, I, I would just, you know, keep it real and attention LA comics, you, you know, uh, don't tell me great set when you see me when I haven't even gone on yet. <laughs> and I've had that literally happen. I'll, I'll, I'll mention this guy's name. I used to open up for Rob Schneider and, and Rob's a good friend. He's very good to me still. Uh, and his brother, I was opening for Rob Schneider at the Canyon Club, which is in Agora Hills, and uh, it's like a lot of '80s metal bands play there, and and but they get big comic acts. So uh, there's one way in, one way out of the Canyon Club. It's the front, and the stage has a direct view of the front door. Sure. So uh, if uh, someone leaves or or comes, you see them. So I'm closing out. I think I did 20 minutes. I'm bringing Rob up. I see John Schneider walk in. There's no way to walk behind me to the side door. There's no side door. And he comes up to me after Rob's on stage. He goes, dude, I really love the new material. I'm like, I, I just saw you walking. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, he's like, yeah, I love the closer. Uh, and I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> Uh, does he help produce like Tom Green's show? Uh, you know, I used to guest host when Tom yeah. Green. Uh, I, he had something to do with it. Okay, because I think I met him there. Oh, he's a nice guy, but it's yeah. like you know, don't you know, you don't need to lie to me, like sure, you know. So like that's the 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 vein of attention, LA comics. Uh, you, you know, and I keep it too real sometimes, but uh, I think in the history of. Uh, 
me doing it, I, I've probably done probably close to 500 attention LA comics. Uh, not, not one person has said, well, that's not true. You know, you shouldn't say that. No, it's pretty well received whenever you do that stuff. But I can always tell which ones have the most impact because they're the ones with the fewest likes or tweets. Because you know, it's like, like too real. Some of them. Yeah, and I could tell that people don't really like, like it. Yeah, like attention LA comics. No one cares. You're ranked 18th on roast battle. Uh uh-uh. uh. So, and then no one will like that. Because it's too real. Because it's like number 18 is looking at that tweet going, oh, I think he's talking about me. I am. <laughs> Earl the Heel Skagel live on Jeremiah Wonders. Well, I'm like Rick Rude. I'm, I'm the likable heel where I think yeah. most people root for me. Um, most. So you, you grew up Bel Air. Um, you're from L.A. That's also a rarity, like uh, being in entertainment. Yeah. People, there were some people asking, they were curious. So you are, you're a Kennedy, which you talk about on stage sometimes. Uh, well, uh, my aunt is Ethel Kennedy. Uh, so but, how does that work? Like the breakdown as far as like the family tree. She's my dad's sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, the Skakels have more money than the Kennedys. So when people bring it up to me, I'm like, uh, no, I'm not a Kennedy. They're a Skakel. <laughs> like, you know, but it's a weird family. Like. Uh, you know, like, and it probably is extended. I have two brothers and two sisters. I'm the baby. We all get along. We love each other, but we're not like incredibly close. But we love each other. Because, uh, and I think I saw that side of like my dad and his sister one day when we're at the Bel Air Hotel. I was having the twenty-four dollar burger with fries that most of you would have to save up for a week to eat. Uh, <laughs> and my dad's drinking or whatever, and uh, the waiter comes over and goes, Mr. Skakel, your sister's over there. She'd like to come over and say hello. And my dad just looks at the waiter and goes, nah. <laughs> like, what What? In what family does the sister have to go through a waiter <laughs> to say hello to her brother? Like, so that's how I was raised, like, you know, not a terribly close, like, uh, Walton's type of atmosphere. Yeah. So it, it's probably extended to my current family where we, you know, love each other, but we literally are in a room with each other every two years. How how often do you talk to your siblings? You said you have four siblings. Four, two brothers, two sisters. Uh, you know, you know, our hours are so incredibly weird and yeah. bizarre that, like, right now it's what five p.m. something in that nature. Yeah. This is like noon for us. Yeah, this is early. Like, we haven't started our night yet. Yeah, like, we're just kind of getting up and doing our thing. My sister, Virginia, she lives in Squim, Washington. She's, like, the mayor of the town. Uh, She probably has been up since 5 in the morning. You know, she's got kids, and, you know, she teaches, and her husband's in the construction business. They've probably been up for 12 hours already. Yeah. So it's hard to, like, when do I call them? I can't call them at, like, 9 at night. They're probably about to go to bed or are already asleep uh you know and it's the same with my other uh they all pretty much have kids and stuff so they have their own lives and you know at like 10 o'clock at night tonight i'll be like who can i call right <laughs> like, uh, jeremiah like we're i you only really can call other comics because you you know you can't call normal people at 10 at night yeah it's true 
It'd be like, oh, is everything okay? Is there an yeah. emergency? They freak. Yeah, it's a very different mindset. What what do your what does your family think of uh of your comedy career and, and like you you know being a comedian and pursuing comedy over the years and everything? I mean, they're happy now because I'm a little not, not that I'm successful. I mean, Russell Peters is successful, but uh, I'm, 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 I mean, this last couple of years have been my most successful. But yeah, well, the, there's been some cool stuff that's kind of happened to you recently. Yeah, and you know, I always uh, will give uh, Brian Moses and Jeff Ross the credit because without Roast Battle, none of it would have happened. You know, uh, and I really sincerely mean that. Uh, you know, uh, Tyler, the creator, saw me. Uh, yeah, during he, Roast Battle. He was doing the wave with us that yeah. night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I also, you know, I've never really thanked him publicly, and I, I probably should have. Uh, Gerard Carmichael is the one who brought him up there, so it's just oh. such a weird. Uh, mm. Thank, well, thank you. you. Thank you, Gerard Carmichael. Carmichael. Uh, but, you know, it's such a weird, like, if he doesn't bring Tyler up that night, I think I had a particularly funny night that night. Uh, you know, what if I bombed? Uh, you know, yeah, you never know. There's uh, so many factors that go into it. Because at that time in Roast Battle, I think it was either, I mean, we always would do well, The Wave or me. But, you know, so there'd be some nights you guys would do better, and I would have make you know, not struggle, but... Uh, you know, just survive. And then there was nights where I would not necessarily do better, but yeah, it would be like, like the game ball goes to Earl this right. night or the game right. ball goes to the wave this night. We had like, it was a big ensemble where it's like mutual agreement. Like, like, Hey man, got to give you the game ball night. Like I gotta give you extra props cause you really brought it and which, you know, pushed us all to oh, be better. For sure. I mean, uh, and Moses was the perfect, like he knew, he could sense, okay. Uh, Jeremiah and Jamar and Willie, uh, or uh, in Haiti, what the fuck uh, are on tonight? Poor Haiti. Just you know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the last battle I judged was so bad I gave it to Haiti, even though he hadn't been on the show in six months. But uh, <laughs> you know, you, you, yeah, it's just like Moses could sense. Okay, it's their night tonight, or Earl's on fire. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to set them up a little bit more, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. I mean, uh, and you know, so Tyler saw me and. You know, that's how I got on the cartoon I'm on now. And uh, and what do you do exactly on The Jellies? You're the dad, right? I'm the dad, and uh, I'm the only, pretty much the only white guy in the cartoon, uh, which is crazy. That's got to be kind of a cool, good feeling. Like, they brought you in, like, like if it's, you know, a specific people who are doing, like, they're like, well, we're all, it's all going to be a mostly black cast, but we got room for Earl Skakel. I mean, it's wild. I mean, there's, it, and it's not too, like, you know, I think this season uh, there was, uh, you know, there were certain times where I'm in the booth with another actor who I don't know. And, you know, they're African American. I've got to say some wacky stuff. And, uh, you know, you know, this one dude was kind of looking at me and I'm like, hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm uncomfortable saying this stuff in front of you. And he's like, you should be. And I'm like, but I didn't write it. Like, and I'm pointing to like Tyler in the window. <laughs> like, he wrote it. I'm just saying it, Jack. Uh, so, would people get weird with you whenever you're recording? Sometimes, uh, just one time, and he under. I think he understood. You know, it's it's not like I'm just some guy off the street going, "Hey, you guys recording? Could I just drop some lines?" Uh, and I only had one problem in the four years I was on Roast Battle of. Uh, you know, one time, uh, and this is, I think I'd gone particularly deep that night, and uh, a guy comes up to me in the parking lot, and uh, he's like, hey, man, what's with the racist bullshit? I'm like, oh, you know, it's a character, like Archie Bunker. 
And he just looks at me and goes, who's Archie Bunker? And I'm like, hey, Moses, this guy wants to talk to you. And I took off. Like, I, I literally ran out of the park. <laughs> well, that's a, hard, that's a hard explanation. Like, if they don't have any reference for what the reference you just made, then it's just like, oh, I'm just a racist guy that they don't know the character that I'm talking about. But it's like, you'd have to be a moron to think, okay, the show's hosted by a black dude. The wave is two of the three people in the wave are black. Mm -hmm. You know, that's like the great thing about you being the, the, I don't know if it's the official, but it's the unofficial leader. Like I think you're the guy who definitely gave it substance and like, you know, back in the early days when it was like Keith soul and Jack Knight, it was like a different dude every week. I think Yorsi was in it one week. People would just kind of hop up. It wasn't like a, it wasn't like a solidified group. It was crazy. Well, I think Jack Knight's manager was like, you got to get out of this show, dude. Like this ain't going anywhere. Um, but like you've given it, that's like the crazy thing is like the, you're like the whitest guy I've ever met in my life in terms of like just your look. You're, oh yeah. Yeah. If you told me you were I'm, from Norway, I'm alarmingly white, but that's great. Don't yeah, yeah. apologize for that. Uh, <laughs> but that's like the crazy thing about the show is like here you have like a racist guy. It's like, you'd have to be an idiot to think the black host is going to let an actual racist sit over there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Earl, for those of you who don't know, uh, Earl on, on roast battle for, uh, for years, he was, um, originally he had the title and there used to be a sign that would say house racist <laughs> that was literally right next to his head. And it was like, um, closed off section. And it also, there's a sign right next to it or right below it that would read whites only. <laughs> yeah. So you see a very diverse audience. And then all of a sudden, just stage left, you see Earl he, underneath this house races and whites only sign. And the audience like just doesn't like they don't know what like at first what's going on exactly. They see the signs, but then they see Earl come out. But then he's such a big over the top character with it that it's like, oh, this is like a this is a parody of somebody who's being racist. This is hilarious. Yeah. I mean, really, I was making fun of white people like. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, that was, yeah, well, like when, when Whitney uh, was doing the show with you, you guys were like this rich, stuck up, like kind of like dumb white couple. Yeah, Whitney uh, Rice is like the best. Like she like is a much better actor, actress. So she brought the like the act, acting chops and I and we just had a great chemistry. Yeah. And I mean, we were dating at the time. So that, I think that helped because we really knew, OK, this is when Whitney's going to stop. Like you. I just knew her timing and she knew mine and, uh, you know, but I think the funniest memory I have is when we did La Jolla. Oh yeah. And, uh, that was like the first, and I don't think that show gets enough credit in the history of roast battle of, I think that was the first time that all of us looked at each other, Jeff, Moses, uh, the wave, the, the house racist and his wife. Wow. This show can travel. Because La Jolla traditionally on a Monday night it was dark. It was out of it, it wasn't open. And it was standing room only. And me and Whitney were so convincing as an out of control racist couple that like a table of four people switched tables with another people and they're like, Hey, can we join you guys? I'm like, you know we're just acting, right? And I think we disappointed them that we actually weren't too like wild racist. Whenever they, we were down in La Jolla, <laughs> Earl and Whitney were like celebrities after the show. And it was just like, they were like killing with like, you know, ridiculous stuff. 
but there were some definitely some people who who got the wrong idea, like what you're saying. Well, I, just, I remember the girl. I think it was either the guy's wife or uh, girlfriend. She looked so disappointed when we and went, and we're like, "Oh, we're just doing characters," and they're like, "Oh, oh. you dummy." Uh, but and, I mean, me and Whitney were a strange-looking couple, just in normal life. Like I'm this big, you know, like huge, beefy, yeah, ripped, me, courageous looking. Let me tell you, jackals out there, bespectacled. Because I know a lot of comics are going to be watching this. Oh my God! I wonder if Earl's going to mention me. Guess what? I'm not. But your comedy is a lot like your dicks. You can't follow me. You know it, I know it, and every girl we've shared knows it too. It's the old saying in life, you like to hear someone's doing pretty good, but you don't want to hear they're doing better than you, and all you greasy Two-faced. All you greasy two-faced. Sexually charged. Sexually charged. Open micers. Open micers. I've done better than all of you. He's done better than all of you. And just remember this, girls. Just remember this, girls. It's one thing to buy a ticket to Space Mountain. Sometimes you can't get tickets to Space Mountain. It's another thing to ride it. Ride Space Mountain. The name of Earl's dick He's showing off his abs Counting them Flexing Popping Locking He's so ripped Can you believe it? 49 years old And I look better than all you baboons in your mid-twenties Oh my god, he's 49 Can you believe it? Be 50 in two weeks He'll be 50 in two weeks This audience is creaming their jeans right now and if it was raining pussy, all you comics watching this right now would get hit in the head with a dick. Sometimes, sometimes it rains pussy, and other times it doesn't. Sometimes it, there's clear with a chance of pussy, and then there's other times where it's scattered pussy thunderstorms. And the only way you'll only get your way. name. Oh, sorry about that. The only way you'll get what? The only way you'll get your name on the wall next the only to mine. Way you'll get your name on the wall next to Earl's. At the comedy store. At the comedy store. Is if you blow your brains out underneath it. Yikes. I feel like you, uh, it's it's way uh, more um, consumable whenever you whenever you go on those those wrestler rants. Whenever you have uh, auto tuned backing. I like it. You like it. Let's try another one. Do you have something that you've been meaning to get off? What do you, like, like, um, do you have anything that you've been wanting to get off your chest? Let me see. Uh, well, no, I've pretty much done that the last two months. Because uh, <laughs> I'm a warrior. He's a warrior. How many of you tax-cheating comics? Tax-cheater comics. Let me see that pillow. It's relevant to the conversation. Don't worry. Don't worry. We're cool. We're cool. How many of you people would block this network on Instagram and Twitter without fear of repercussion? Don't worry. I'm, they're unblocked. But for a while, I had to teach them a lesson. Earl 
blocked the network. But what's funny about that is the people who run the social media have no idea that you even did that. Oh, they do. They, they do. Aware? Did you talk to somebody about it? I'm back in the I'm back in the Viacom family. But you mess with daddy. Don't mess with daddy. The second time's gonna be as worse as the first. Only this time, I will partake. That's how Rick Rude when he came back to fight Sting. If you mess with daddy, you're the worst. Well, there you go. I can't believe you brought that pillow with you. I, I'm a fan of Comedy Central. <laughs> we we had a you know a rocky couple months. Hey, just like any relationship, man. You know, any good any good relationship, you go through ups and downs. Go through ups and downs. You know, yeah. As someone with no representation, you gotta kind of be like, uh, you know, what can we do to make the situation right? There we go. You know, let's get into this next segment: fanning out. Fanning out questions from fans. Yeah, where's your co-host, Justin? <laughs> Jesus, that guy was the co-host in what 9/11 was to air travel. If you, if you, I was so curious if you were going to bring up my buddy, uh, Justin Alexio, uh, we used to do this podcast together called the building years. And we did that for years. Earl did it years ago. And it's actually in this feed in the Jeremiah wonders feed. If you scroll low enough in the feed, uh, most of the episode is Earl making fun of Justin Alexio. And it's so funny because they're the chemistry between them, there couldn't have been less chemistry between two people. That guy had the timing of the one-armed drummer and Def Leppard in a juggling contest. I saw Def Leppard uh, in concert, Iowa State Fair. Recently or? This was, no, this would have been 10 years ago probably. I saw them two weeks ago in Nashville. Oh yeah? How were they? Well, it's Journey and Def Leppard and they're playing in LA in October. And I, even if you don't like those bands, it, it's an amazing. It's one of the best pairings of a concert. It's it's like. It's like the OR, like when you see two comics and they know I gotta keep the crowd for this next act. So they give them a great intro. Yeah. They love each other. It's clear that they're friends. And yeah, uh, like I love when Bobby Lee will bring up somebody like Sebastian or somebody right. like that. Like he's like, I went to this guy's wedding. I like blah blah blah. Like this guy, we started out together, and you can just tell like they want the room to be good for the person that's following them. Yeah. So Journey, uh, they alternate each night. But Journey, uh, the night I was there, was the opening act, and uh, he's not the new singer. He's been with him for like twelve years. But the the Filipino dude. Yeah, Mark, he's awesome, dude. It's weird because he's probably 15 years younger than because the other uh, band members are the OG guys. Uh, they even brought back Steve Smith, the the, the first drummer, and uh, so it's a weird dynamic to see like this younger or younger-ish singer running around. Do he's like you, like he's like doing like backflips and all these wacky maneuvers, and then literally the rest of Journey doesn't move two inches combined. You know, uh, so it's, but it's really fun because. You know, I'm a Steve Perry guy, but if you close your eyes, this guy sounds like Steve Perry. Yeah. Uh, and then Def Leppard, you could tell, it's like, we got to put on a good show now. Right? They did one of the dickiest things I've ever seen in a concert. It's about a, They played about an hour and 45 minutes. A little bit longer than Journey, because that night they were the headliner. Yeah. And so about an hour and a half in, the drummer is, you know, obviously getting a little tired. He's got one arm. 
and uh, he's got like seven pedals, which is how he makes up for you know his missing limb. So then they do this acoustic song. I think it's called Two Steps Back. And I thought, oh, I know this song. This must be when he gets a break. Like he maybe goes backstage for five minutes or he just, you know, I don't know, goes behind the drum kit and just drinks water or something. They make this poor son of a bitch go to the front of the stage and play the maraca for five minutes. It's like, it's kind of a dick move. Like, the guy's got one arm. Give him five minutes. Like, the maraca is not necessary on that song. It's not needed. So that's someone in the band going, fuck this guy. Yeah, we're going to keep this guy. We're going to make all the money with this guy. Make it work for it. So, Earl, I, I reach out to people online. They reach right back. I bet. <laughs> and I, I said, uh, you know, if you could ask Earl any questions, what would it be? And uh, we got some people on Instagram um, that left some some comments. Uh, what are what are some of your your favorite um, music uh, like music tastes and favorite records um, that you've listened to? C Johnson nine oh seven on Instagram. Uh, well, I mean, everyone knows, uh, you know, he loves rat, rat, kiss. Yeah, pretty much. Um, the Vinnie Vincent invasion. Vinnie Vincent invasion. I mean, Vinnie Vincent's so crazy. He got kicked out of the Vinnie Vincent invasion. Hello. Hey. Uh, I like '80s metal just because. <laughs> <laughs> that really wasn't worth the effort, to be honest with you. Uh, but you know, it's like. You're like 20 years younger than me, so you probably are like, why do you like that genre so much? But if you were on the Sunset Strip in the late 80s, uh, I think people get it because it was unlike any other time that I've seen in music where the Sunset Strip was like an ant farm of hot women. The guys were almost as hot as the girls, and this was pre-internet. So like, if you were a band like Poison you'd have to go and put flyers up yeah. on, on the telephone poles. Yeah. The, and you know now you would just make an Instagram post or a, a Twitter, a tweet or a Facebook thing. But then you know, you'd have, like not Cinderella, but you'd have like Warrant follow the Poison guys. They'd wait for the Poison guys to put their flyers up, and then Warrant would put their flyers up over the Poison guys' flyers. And then Poison would walk back and see that, and they'd put... I mean, it was just guerrilla marketing, like, and everyone's getting laid, and and the music was silly, but y- you know, I mean, it, it could never fly in this era. I mean, Winger had a hit song called Seventeen. She's only seventeen. Daddy's little girl, old enough to do ya. I mean, you, they got a platinum record talking about. Boning a seventeen-year-old. Yeah, and the, he, the you know, good old days, right? Well, Kiss is even worse. They have a song called "Christine 16. Oh yeah, and it's even creepier now because they still sing it. Like when Gene was thirty, it's like okay, that's cool. He's talking about it's seventies. Yeah, uh, but you know, because that stuff. With Ted Nugent had a song called "Jailbait." Yeah, uh, one of my favorite Kiss songs, and I know that you didn't like this much this era of Kiss as much. But uh, I love uh, uh, their song. I was made for loving you, baby. You were made for loving me. And I can't get enough to you, baby. Can you give it up to me? Tonight, I want to get it all, give it all to you. Before I was made for me. 
girl, I was made for you. Ka, ka, ka. Peter Chris. Oh, I'm sorry. Anton Fig on drums. Oh, oops. Did I just break the fourth wall there? Whoops. That was like when Kiss started to break up because the drummer from David Letterman, the legendary Anton Fig, uh, was drumming on Dynasty. And the next Kiss album, Unmasked, which is a great Cars album, which is one of my favorite albums. You talk about... Uh, Unmasked? The guy, uh, at, no, uh, it's not a Kiss album. It's the Cars debut album. Might be the most perfect... There's not one bad song on it. Like every Kiss record, it's got like two good, two three good songs. And yeah, the yeah. Rest are filler. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne, same thing. Uh, Rat, even Rat. Somebody, somebody else asked um, uh, at Scrib Scribble Official on Instagram: Megadeth or Metallica? Both are goats. I mean, I don't like that kind of music. Uh, it's a little too... Uh, Take that. No, no. But uh, see, I'm not a hater. Like, right. Uh, Mutual respect oh, for the genre. I, I, I will acknowledge Stevie Ray Vaughan as one of the greatest guitar players of all time, but I don't like his music. Uh, I like Metallica. I, like, I like Inner Sandman, uh, and I love the cover. They did something that's very rare in that I like their cover of an original better than the original, and that was uh, Thin Lizzy's Whiskey in a Jar. Because mm. uh, it's a, like a real rocker, metal-esque. Like, if you didn't know it was a Thin Lizzy song, you were like, this is a great song. Yeah. But, uh... I mean, Boys Are Back in Town, classic Thin Lizzy song that, if you don't know that song, then you'd know Boys Are Back in Town. And uh, But I will say, I recently saw, and it's along the lines of uh, The Cars, because Rick Ocasek produced their three of their albums, uh, I saw Weezer in concert. Dude, and, I love Weezer. Well, they get it. Like, they start off with Buddy Holly. See, I hate whenever you go to a concert and it's like they don't throw you some breadcrumbs. You're just looking at them like, are you not aware of what we want to hear? Yeah, I mean, I I kind of like that. I <laughs> Because I went with... Uh, Adam and because uh, he he was there to see the Pixies, which I didn't have a, a, a great interest in. Not I'm not anti Pixies, I just don't know them. Uh, so the arena, the Pixies do their thing, and the arena gets dark, and I'm like, there's no way they would open up with Buddy Holly. And then you hear the lie from Arnold's Drive-In. It's Weezer, and the stage lights come on, and it's the like the Buddy Holly uh, set. Like from the video. Oh, like that's Arnold's so driving. cool. Yeah. And so they go right into it, and uh, the crowd is singing every word, and then they go right into Beverly Hills, crowd singing every word. and uh, But they're closeted metalheads. Like Rivers Cuomo, uh, he grew up listening to rap. And like uh, Poise, they do a great uh, cover. They do great covers. Like that night they did like five covers. You know, they Oh, that. that they don't put out? They just do sing for fun? They just do covers? Well, they did the Toto song uh africa oh yeah yeah and they brought weird al yankovic out for the solo oh, part man and he's killing it on the accordion like yeah. it's a faithful cover and then they did uh a cover of aha's take on me oh man um and then they did a black sabbath cover of uh, i think paranoid uh but their poison cover of talk dirty to me you'd think they'd mock poison like but it's such a good cover and you could tell their fans so uh I mean, they're like a bridge between me and like someone your age. Like they grew up in the middle. They, they like MTV was huge when Rat and yeah, Mark, and uh, 
And another band I'll throw out there is a wild horse selection is a bowling for soup. You like bowling for oh, soup? Oh, I love bowling for soup. Really? Because they're much like Weezer. Like they have a sense of humor. They're metalheads. Uh, they did that song, 1985. 19, 19, 1985. Springsteen. Madonna. Madonna. You know, uh, I mean, I love High School Never Ends. That's the song that... But their video... Because I almost had you. I love Bowling for Soup. I, I mean, but like Pat Reagan and I are heavily influenced by that era of of music, like the Blink-182s right. and, and, you know... So so many like good Charlotte, like all those like pop punk bands that uh like you know, and then of course like more all like like sublime and anyway, Pat Reagan and I um we're we're like working on an album right now and you can if you listen to some of the tracks, you're like, Oh, these guys are fans of this kind of music. Right. Well it's just I like bands who like don't take themselves that seriously. Exactly. Uh but like, they're good. Yeah. Like uh they probably my favorite music video of all time is Bowling for Soup's My Weena. Have you ever seen it? I don't think I have, actually. There's two versions. There's one where it's just uh uh what is it, those little dogs, not schnauzers, uh they're loaded. Like the terriers. Chihuahuas. Chihuahuas, oh okay. And then there's a uh a raunchier version. It's called My Weena, W E N A. And uh if you listen to the song, it's just about a dick. You know, my wiener is lonely tonight. <laughs> so, but the, in the the wacky version, they have a girl. Oh, whoa, sorry, sorry. I'm coming in hot. Uh, they have a girl who's dressed up like a huge dick. And, like, she's giving them lemonade and she pours and it comes out her pee hole into their glasses. Like, it's just stupid stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, like they're having a barbecue and no one's eating the hamburgers and then they start wolfing down the 12-inch hot dogs. It's just every sexual innuendo you could... Uh, so I love Bowling for Soup, too. I, I think we're getting a call from... Oh, wow. One of the Skakels is calling in. Uh hope it's not Michael. Uh, I, it looks like it's one of your sisters. Hi. This is Virginia. Uh, Virginia. Uh, thanks for calling in. Are you were you, are you upset about like uh like how you don't go to concerts with Earl or something? Because he's just listening to a lot of music. Well, it's hard for me to go to concerts here in Squim, Washington, because we don't have an arena. So I don't think U two is gonna play the local farmhouse off the eighty five. Oh, the local farmhouse off the eighty five. The, they don't get many big acts. No, they don't get any acts. I mean, Rat would probably play. Well, you, you could go to Rat with Earl. Yeah, but they don't play near Swim Washington. Rat are like most comics in L.A. It's not a tour if you're at home the next night. It's not a tour if if you're. You're not. It's not a tour. If there you go. You. I'm hearing you better now. You're in bed the same night as your gig. Oh, it's not a tour if you're in your own bed the same yeah. night as the gig. But I don't know. Uh, an Earl might like. Uh, I think that's probably one of the attention L.A. comics things that he's posted on twitter that sounds something familiar it is i do a attention squim comics. attention squim comics as earl's sister and i didn't catch your name what's your name my name is virginia virginia that's right yeah <laughs> <laughs> you got you got the cutest little, little laugh virginia yeah i went to marymount high school and this is something that earl probably wouldn't like out there in the ether but Earl used to play golf at Bel Air Country Club, and the, 
parking lot of Marymount High School was right next to the second tee of Bel Air Country Club, and my brother would slice his balls in purpose into the parking lot, and he would say to my friends with big tits, hey girls, have you seen my balls? <laughs> it sounds like Earl has always had a great sense of humor, even before he became a comedian and was living the lavish life in Beverly Hills. Well, this is when his pee-pee wasn't quite as endowed as it is now. Now, Virginia, um, first off, it's interesting that you know um, when Earl um, got uh, a bigger penis. Is that something that recently happened or that like developed over the years? Like, How did you know? That, could you tell a, a noticeable difference once he got a bigger penis? Well, when we would all swim in the pool, Earl had a bigger bulge than Jimmy and Andrew and his brothers. <laughs> and my friends all of a sudden would ask me about my little brother. Hey, can Earl come in the jacuzzi? And I said, I bet he can. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> wow, is this like a skakel tradition that uh, <laughs> that you guys have? Uh, is like the what the? It sounds like uh, it sounds like that's something that maybe passed uh, around. Yeah, it's it's genetic. <laughs> oh, uh, I I need you to stay on the line, Virginia. Uh, it looks like uh, did you say Andrew? Is one of your other brothers, right? Yeah, Andrew lives in Malibu. He surfs all day. And he lives in a mobile home park where he pays $4,000 a month in rent. Obviously, we're not Jewish. Well, okay, so Andrew... <laughs> and then uh, I, I, it looks like Andrew's calling in from Malibu right now. <laughs> oh, is that you? Uh, uh, hey, uh, are we having a, a Skagel family reunion? Or what? Yeah, <laughs> Now, Earl, uh, uh, I've been meaning to talk to you for a while. Uh, I think that we need to, to plan this out and figure out when we're going to go see a movie or something. I'm good on that. Last time I invited you to a comedy show at the Malibu Inn, I had to leave with my ex-girlfriend through the kitchen. You embarrassed me so much, you idiot. What did I do that embarrassed you that much? What the fuck? Well, <laughs> You were uh, rubbing the host's feet from your seat. The host was a female. I figured that she had been up all night on her feet, and, you know, I want to be polite. I want to take her for a minute, if you know what I'm saying. Up All Night, that's a good song by the band Slaughter. Up all night, sleep all day. By the way, I just did comedy in Nashville. Front row, the singer from Slaughter, Mark Slaughter. I saw that. I follow you on social media. I bet you do. Uh, Virginia, are you here? Yeah, I've, I've got to go. I've got three kids and four cows and two horses. I bet you do. What the fuck? <laughs> hey, so are we going to plan this picnic in a movie or what? No. <laughs> All right, perfect. I'll see you guys later. What yeah. the? Hold on, I think my horse has some gas. <laughs> I wonder why my husband on his underwear, the shit stains are in front. Right now I'm doing pants. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's wrong mic. Wrong mic. Sorry. My bad. My bad. Wow, Virginia, I thought she had a higher voice, and then like she like she's able to drop low just like you. It's pretty it's pretty crazy. Yeah, drop real low. I bet she does. She's a skakel after all. And I don't mean Rob Low. Uh let's do uh one or two more questions, and then we'll pop in the last segment of the show. Um I like this question a lot. 
Um, at Franco Domenco on Instagram, your house is on fire and you can only save one of your hockey jerseys. Which one do you grab? Uh, the Eric Bolton Buffalo Sabres 9-11 jersey. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres and the New York Rangers played the first professional sporting event after 9-11. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure not a lot of your fans are hockey fans, but, uh, you know, the Rangers, uh, they don't really have a logo, but uh, in their blue home jerseys, it just says Rangers across the front. Uh, for that particular game, they wore shirts that said New York across the front. And the Buffalo Sabres, you know, it's, it's a Buffalo uh their usual uh, logo on all their jerseys is a buffalo head. And for that particular game, they wore New York across their uh, jerseys. So you could uh, – yeah, there was an auction for uh, – they never made any replicas. Uh, they uh, made 20 shirts for the Rangers, 20, search, ugh, 20 shirts for the uh, Sabres, uh, and they auctioned them off after the game. And uh, all the proceeds went to the New York firefighters and uh, the police – and the funny thing is the auction uh, was a couple of days after the game. And I won Eric Bolton's uh, jersey in which he got into a fight with Sandy McCarthy. In. And for one month, they did not wash these jerseys. They literally put them all in one pile. So you had 40 jerseys that went unwashed for a month. Now, if you know anything about hockey, the gear gets incredibly smelly. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, you know... you. We all work out, go for a run, whatever. And, you know, I, I spray Febreze in my shoes after every workout just so the odor doesn't build up. Hockey jerseys, you know, you sweat. In a typical NHL game, the players will lose five to seven pounds. Uh, and it's just in water weight. Yeah, and and the pads retain a lot of, of stink too. So put that on, t like you're putting that jersey on top of that as well. Yeah, I mean, I never even really thought of that. You're Not only will the jersey smell if you had no pads underneath, but with the pads, it's just an ungodly smell if they go unwashed for one day. So for one month, you had 40 jerseys sitting in a pile in you know Madison Square Garden. I won the Bolton shirt a couple days later I got the shirt I opened it up and the only time I've ever smelled anything remotely close to this was when I went to go see Stephen Piercy open up for LA Guns at the Anaheim House of Blues and I opened up the 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 door to the floor the main floor of the House of Blues in Anaheim and a wall of BO hit me like it was a mustard gas attack not a very uh I don't think the L.A. Guns fan base or Stevens uh, believes in soap and water. Oof. And uh, this is back when I wore hockey jerseys on stage. And I was so excited. I had a uh, show that night at Coconut Teasers, which for you local yokels, it's uh, now, uh, I think it's Hyde on Sunset and Crescent Heights. It used to be a really good open mic for comics. And uh, this is when I had left the comedy store and not gone on uh there and just went other places i put the jersey on and i wore it i didn't have time to wash it and i smelled so bad that my dear friend christy miller who's uh, was an la comic now she's in new york she just looks at me and goes you fucking stink bro <laughs> <laughs> and to say you stink in an la open mic in 2004 you stink or 2002 actually i met christy uh with uh marino whenever i was out in new york yeah she's the best like yeah 
that's like someone I miss a lot and someone I started with and like we would just do these god awful shows and uh, yeah you you literally used to wear giant hockey jerseys on stage and Earl had long curly hair like a jufro like a jufro that like went down almost like to your shoulders at times like varying degrees of super curls what caused your hue like literally you look completely different than if somebody pulls up an old image of Earl Skakel. Like what caused that switch as far as like look and style? Because you dress pretty hip now. You yeah. you always uh have like good shoes and like uh and like good quality uh Java Barbados leather. Barbados or now. Or now. I've graduated. I mean I still wear Barbados, but uh Brooke Warrell, that's Warrell, W O R R E L L. I don't get anything from this plug. She custom makes my pants. I saw her on it. I saw a picture of Duff from Guns N' Roses. Uh, and he had these really cool, like, suede pants on with a leather stripe down the side. And they flare out. Not as wacky as bell bottoms, but a nice flare. And they, the like, the I would say the, the bottom four inches are buttons. And I'm like, wow, who made these pants? And I asked my friend Frank, who's in Slasher's band, do you know who makes Duff's pants? Says, oh, this girl, Brooke. Now, Brooke, custom makes me pants, jackets, shirts, whatever daddy wants. I was on three shows. Two have been canceled. So thank you, Tyler, the creator, for keeping the Skakel slush fund going. So, uh, you know, yeah, that's how I dress but you, now. Yeah, but you literally, like, you cut your hair and you started dressing way differently. Well, in two th- about 2006, and all this happened the same time, uh, I, or t- 2006, 2006, I had a moment at the comedy store where I was uh, on a TV show. It was called One Night Stand Up. It was actually a pretty cool idea. Mm-hmm. Barry Katz, creator of Last Comic Standing. And, uh, it was a dating show where the girl never sees you. She hears your act. It was eight comics. <laughs> kind of cool. Like, That's hilarious. You know, yeah, and it was like Ian Bag was on it, and uh, a couple other comics, and I was on it. And uh, you know, I, I'm Whitney Cummings is the host, and she's calling my name. It's a packed main room. I mean, I'd never, I had never played the main room at that time. It was like unbelievably packed, and cameras everywhere. It was kind of like that first season of Roast Battle, where like, oh my god, this is like, this is crazy. And uh, I'm just about to hit the stage in a New York Rangers, and I'll never forget it was a Matthew Barnaby preseason jersey that I saw him get into the fight in. And Whitney is literally calling my name, and Barry Katz grabs me by the shoulder and goes, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, oh, this is my thing. I wear jerseys on stage. He's like, you can't wear that on stage. I'm like, why not? And she's literally saying, skake. He's like, the logo, you idiot. You know, which now makes sense that the New York Rangers wouldn't want to be associated if I did like some wacky joke. Right. So I took off this jersey. I ran on stage. I had this god-awful affliction t-shirt on. Just like, oh, it's embarrassing that I had this thing on. And then I I was a little nervous, so I thought, well, it's a dating show. I'm going to go deep on the first joke. (laughs) And this is right around the time of the Duke lacrosse case, you know, with the two... (laughs) Two prostitutes said they were uh, sexually assaulted by 47 lacrosse players. I'm like, hey, everyone, you know, the the captain of the Duke lacrosse team, he had a degree in economics, so obviously he knew 47 didn't go into two. Dead as silent as this room is right now. It was that silent in the comedy store, except for Dave Taylor in the back, 
laughing in hysterics. <laughs> now, I love Dave Taylor. You love Dave. I love Dave Taylor. But uh, if Dave Taylor's the only one laughing in a room full of 450 people, it's not a good sign. No. He has a very dark sense of humor. I mean, incredibly dark. And I was like, wow, that's not good. And then I got nervous. And then I did a joke about blacks and hockey, uh, which is, it's. And you're like, it would have worked if I had the jersey. Well, I'm not. It probably wouldn't have in theory, but like then I doubled down. I'm like, well, you know, uh, everyone uh, you know doesn't realize that you know, blacks play hockey too, but they all have white names, so we don't have any sports left. And people come up to me and be like, well, you still have horse racing. I'm like, well, the jockeys are white, but the ones being whipped are still black. <laughs> just, just, I was just bearing. Oh my god! I mean, I had seven shovels working simultaneously. Is that one of your worst bombs? Oh, today? it's the worst bomb. By far. Because that's a, that's a TV taping, too. Well, luckily, you know, now I realize that most pilots never get on the air. Yeah. So, luckily for me. Luckily, it didn't air. And the comic before me, a Canadian comic by the name of Rob Pugh. Uh, Pugh, he, Pugh. Pugh. He was killing. I mean, he, he was. So, I was, like, set up for success. Uh, still one of the best sets I've ever seen in the main room. Uh so I can't blame the crowd. I can't, uh, you know, just, you know. Another thing that you would do late night, which you'll still still do if we're if we're if we happen to be in the back, if somebody has a joke that bombs or something, you'll just hear from the back of the room. Well, it depends on who it is, though. right? If I know the person. Which I think a lot of people don't get at the comedy store. Like, if you don't know someone, or even worse, if you don't like them, you'll just be quiet. I think one of the, literally, I want to say in the top probably 15 to 20 moments, which as a comedian, if, if it's, a, it's different for comedians, like as far as how hard we laugh sometimes, like when we're riffing or whatever, top 15 or 20 times, Earl and I are in the back of the room and you're i don't remember who is on stage but you are ripping it like just just huge farts <laughs> and you pull down your pants in the back and let out the biggest fart while a comic was on stage to the point where it completely like it was the worst heckle ever to the point where everybody's looking around the room <laughs> wondering who is farting and i remember falling to the ground hitting the floor and crying laughing just not even caring how loud we were being because the situation was so funny that earl would pull his pants down mid-show and rip a huge fart into the crowd i don't know well you have this great laugh because it's like a horse laugh it's like when you like really genuinely think something's funny, yeah, yeah. you have this great like <sighs> Yeah, like it's you're like choking on Yeah, something. no, I'm literally like choking on laughter. Like I'm like I just start like I turn super red, start getting all veiny in my neck and my face and everything. <laughs> and dude. Well, I mean, you know, sometimes I eat so much protein and broccoli and beans and sprouts and bars and shakes that uh, I mean my asshole is just like a ring of fire. It's just <laughs> And it always seems to hit me late night in the OR. So, you know, and it's, you know, the only time it's ever caused a problem was, uh, you know, going back to Don, you know, he lets us do our thing when he's up there. I, uh, 
I said, because I would do this thing with him when I would have a fart coming. I would like frantically raise my hand, go, Don, 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 Don. Question, 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 question please. Question question back. I wouldn't care if he was in the middle of a bit, although, you know, I was trying not to be disrespectful, but I knew like the timing of my gas. Like, Don, Don, I got to ask you something literally right now. And Don would know. And I cut a fart that was so disgustingly smelly. It cleared out the room. And Don had no one to play with. And he got mad at me, and it, rightfully so. It's the only time Don's ever been mad at me. It was. I can't explain. To you. It cleared out the room. The, literally, and it was like probably forty people in there, and I was doing everything I could to get the smell out because it started in the back, you know, where Mitzi used to sit, right, where we right. all sit now, and got to the front of the room like an atomic bomb cloud. It just there was nothing that could be done. Oh my goodness. So, you know, I apologize to Don. So, you know, just trying to make it. You know, it's just, you get caught up at the store sometimes of gas and, you know, putting some gassers out there, nakedness. I mean, I know a few times you've been in the back row watching Who's Ever Up and they were bombing. So I'd go into the, the OR bathroom. And it's I'd like a side hallway, basically. Like the OR is like this, like uh, it's like a rectangle, but then there's like another little rectangle that's super small in the very back of the, like the back corner of the OR. So I would stand in the hallway of the back bathroom and like show Jeremiah my dick, and I would be like jacking off, or you know, I would bend over and say, "Hey, how do I spell Bob? I've got, I've got the O," uh, and you know, it probably was insane. <laughs> For the comic on stage to see Jeremiah laughing hysterically and everything. And this else. is when everybody this is like we've all been waiting for hours to go up. This is during the open mic portion on Mondays or whenever they used to have it on Sundays. And we'd go so late and wait for hours and the room is literally dead. Nobody's doing well on stage. And then Earl is in the back un he's unseen to everybody else except me. And I'm dying laughing and cackling. And just everybody's looking back at me like, what are you like? What are you? Why are you acting crazy and spastic right now and laughing? And like, I would, I would turn back around. And it was like a Batman thing. Earl was nowhere to be seen. I'm like the predator. <laughs> I don't mean Harvey. Literally and figuratively. What the? Ooh. I do do one impression. Oh, yeah. Of the predator. Okay. Hello. Is anybody there? Ah! That's great, man. Uh, not really. We're going to end with this final segment, Sax Talk. Oh, Sax Talk. All right, Earl, I prepped you. You're going to share a story of a sexual encounter, and I'm going to play some sweet, sweet saxophone underneath to sax it up. Whenever you're ready. But before you start playing, in full disclosure, this is uh, it, it's it's a true story, but it's a joke I do on stage. But it, it's it actually happened to me. It's the first time I had sex. First time Earl Skakel had sex. Here we go. 1989. I was 21 years old. I was dating a lovely girl I met at Family Fitness Center on Pico and uh, Beverly. It's now 24-hour fitness. Uh, I won't say her name, but uh, 
I was sleeping. She came over. We had been dating about three months. Now I was a virgin. Never had sex. Very inexperienced. I slept in the nude back then. She jumped on me. I awakened. And let's just say my emotions started to rise. And I was literally inside of her. No condom. She says to me, wait. Now to tell a 21-year-old man who'd never had sex before with his penis inside of you, wait, is like telling an abused pit bull at Michael Vick's house, don't eat that bowl of food right now. Luckily, I thought, well, she's going to want to use a condom. But I got scared because I thought to myself, by the time she puts it on me, I'm not going to need it anymore. So she starts rifling through her purse. She pulls out a CD. She wanted our first time to be to music. And I saw the CD cover was Guns N' Roses. Now, I got really nervous because I didn't want to have sex for the very first time to welcome to the jungle. Luckily for me, it was a ballad off their second album. It was a song called Patience. And if you think about it, that song, the title of the song, totally encaptures what a first time should be for both of you. Because I really didn't want to have sex to welcome to the jungle. Do you know where you are? Yeah, I do, Axel, and you're not helping me get there. And it was so good. The song set the tone so good that I lasted until the whistling part. Now, some of your fans might not know that song. Let me say this. You hit play, and Axel starts to whistle. But because I was 21, I reloaded real fast. And that's the story of the first time I made love.
So you lasted almost the entire album. That's what you're saying. No. Uh, <laughs> well, it was an EP. It was only five songs. But I bet it was. Uh, I literally squirted when Axel started to whistle. But I had amazing uh, recovery powers back then. So uh, by the time Night Train kicked in, I was blasting. Just blasting away, dude. It was, it's a double one. Well, dude, um, thanks so much for doing the podcast. Yeah, dude, you're a good dude. <laughs> you're one of the good ones, man. I try. It's a tough business to, uh, you know, maintain your brain, but uh, maintain the brain while you drain the vein. And I got a big vein, Uh, but uh, you know, it's because of people like you, and uh, you know, uh, well, that's about it, actually, to be honest with you. Uh, Steve, he's got he's got a big vein because of people like me and Steve Simone. You heard it first here on Jeremiah Wonders. I mean, there's literally five (laughs) nice people in this business that that are genuinely nice. Of course, there's people that are nice to you when they can get something from you or or whatever. But uh, like genuine, I can't help you. Uh, You know, you've always been good to me, Steve Simone. Same thing, and uh, trying to think of a few others. uh, You know, but uh, you know, thank God there's a few of us. Yeah. Oh, well, um, do you want anything to plug uh, before you go? You got a great podcast called Inappropriate Earl that's been in the top 10 a bunch lately on the iTunes charts. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's on iTunes and SoundCloud uh, and then on Twitter and Instagram. I'm just Earl Skakel, E-A-R-L-S-K-A-K-E-L. And, uh, you know, I'm not allowed to say uh, much about the show, but I'll just say this. Uh, make sure your Adult Swim and Cartoon Network subscriptions or up and running on Sunday nights. When uh, is that? I can't com- say anything. You can't say when I, I when it comes out. I can't even. I I don't know what show you're talking about. I'm just letting people know. Just stay up to date because it might be dropping soon. Yeah. All right. Love you, buddy. Thanks so much for doing Love the show. Love you.